You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include former President Trump pleaded not guilty to charges based on attempting to overturn the 2020 election. There was a bus crash in Mexico and New Jersey Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver has passed away. Here's your national news recap for the week of July 30th. Former President Trump says it's a sad day for America. He made those comments Thursday after pleading not guilty to criminal charges connected to his alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. He appeared in federal court in Washington, D.C. Thursday after being indicted earlier this week. He faces four counts, including conspiracy to defraud the U.S. The first hearing in the case is scheduled for August 28th. Trump was released under the condition that he doesn't speak with any witnesses in the case unless it's through or with lawyers present. The Department of Justice claims the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot was fueled by what it calls Trump's lies, but he is not being charged for the violence. Trump claims the charges are an attempt by President Biden to interfere with the upcoming presidential election. Speaking from the airport in Virginia, Trump noted he thinks the case is a persecution against a political opponent. He said he's leading in the polls by very, very substantial numbers. The plea agreement that blew up last week during Hunter Biden's court appearance was made public Wednesday, revealing new information about the tax and gun charges involving the president's son. The documents, which U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Norica made public at the request of NBC News, provided detailed accounts of the cases surrounding the criminal charges with fact sets that were agreed to by Biden's lawyers and federal prosecutors in Delaware. The plea deal called for Biden to plead guilty to two counts of failing to pay his taxes in return for prosecutors recommending a sentence of probation. A separate gun charge for illegally owning a Colt Cobra 38 special handgun would have been dropped in two years if Biden honored the terms of what's known as a diversion agreement. The deal wound up being scrapped, at least temporarily, because of questions the judge raised last week in court about the proposed agreements. These agreements are not straightforward and they contain some atypical provisions, Norica said, including one that would theoretically protect Biden from other tax-related crimes. Florida governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis says he'll do things that Trump didn't complete while in office if he's elected. DeSantis blasts Trump's for not draining the swamp like he promised. DeSantis promises to hold the agencies accountable. The daughter of California Senator Dianne Feinstein has power of attorney over the sitting senator's legal affairs. The New York Times reports the 90-year-old lawmaker's daughter, Catherine Feinstein, is currently in a legal battle with the daughters of her mother's late husband. The senator's decision to delegate management of her affairs comes amid questions over whether Feinstein is fit for office due to her age. Last week, a hot mic caught the senator appearing confused during a routine committee proceeding in which an aide had to instruct her to vote during a roll call vote. Georgia police say they'll release a mugshot of former President Trump if he's charged there for election crimes. The Democratic district attorney in Fulton County has strongly hinted Trump will be indicted soon over alleged election interference. 
This week, Fulton County Sheriff Pat Labatt promised reporters he'll provide them with a mugshot if Trump is arrested and arraigned. It marks the first time Trump would be forced to take a mugshot in any of his pending cases. Democratic presidential hopeful Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says the U.S. is failing to control the southern border. While speaking in Southern California Thursday, Kennedy said immigration reform will be one of his top priorities if elected president. He said the current policy is not serving anyone's interests and called for more barriers and personnel. The Atlantic City Air Show is less than two weeks away and the New Jersey Transit is getting ready to offer deals. Customers traveling to the air show can save 50% on rail tickets to and from the event using the NJ Transit mobile app. Additional trains will run to and from Philadelphia. Performers take to the skies on August 16th for what will be the show's 20th year in Atlantic City. More than half a million people were at the show in 2022, a record organizers hope to break this year. A suspected gang member has been arrested for murder at a 4th of July party in Spring Valley. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department says a 20-year-old gang member, Trayvon Austin, who was on probation for a stabbing incident when he was under 18, has been arrested for shooting two men, killing one and wounding the other. The men were shot as they got out of a car to go to a party on Central Avenue in Spring Valley the night of July 4th. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your National News. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first international story comes from the BBC. At least 15 people are thought to have died and 21 have been injured in a bus crash in Mexico. State officials said the bus plunged into a ravine. The crash happened in the early hours of Thursday in the western coastal state of Naharit. The elite passenger bus was heading towards Tijuana when the incident occurred on a highway near Barranca Blanca, outside state capital Tepic. Video footage on social media shows several emergency vehicles on the highway and the bus down the bank. Naharit's Secretariat of Security and Citizen Protection said in a post on social media that at the scene, there were 21 injured people of various ages who were attended to, as well as 15 people who were presumed to be without signs of life. Work is being done to remove them from the site. The bus company Elite has not commented. Our next three international stories come from Reuters. A man in a South Korean commuter town rammed his car into passers-by on Thursday, then got out and stabbed some, killing one person and injuring another 12, police and media said. The unexplained attack in the commuter town of Songnam near the capital Seoul came days after another rare stabbing attack, which killed one person and wounded three others. Police said Thursday's assailant was arrested after apparently hitting people randomly. Media reports described him as a man in his 20s, with a delivery job and suffering from some mental health issues. The attack occurred near Soyeon Station, an area about 20 kilometers or 12 miles from Seoul that has a large department store and other shops and where many commuters live. Police said 12 people were in hospital, nine stabbed and four hit by the car. A man in his 60s died, per Newsis News agency. At the taped-off scene, police stood guard and bloodstains could be seen on the floor. Police Commissioner General Yoon Kihian warned South Koreans to be on guard for such attacks and urged officials to be vigilant and look out for copycat crimes. On Thursday, northern Taiwan shut businesses and schools while airlines canceled dozens of flights as the slow-moving Typhoon Cannon skirted past the island's northeast amid warnings of floods and high winds. Typhoon Cannon, categorized by Taiwan's Weather Bureau as the second-strongest typhoon level, slowly headed towards its northeastern coast with maximum winds of 123 miles per hour. As of 1.15 p.m. Taipei time, the 
eye of the typhoon was 211 miles off Taipei in the East China Sea, heading in a westerly direction at just under 2 miles per hour. The storm was expected to brush past Taiwan's northern coast late on Thursday, before making a sharp turn to the northeast on Friday, bringing total rainfall of up to 2 feet in mountainous central Taiwan and a foot of rain on the mountains near Taipei. Northern cities, including the capital Taipei, shut businesses and schools. Taiwan's stock and foreign exchange markets were also closed. More than 110 international and domestic flights have been canceled, while all domestic ferry lines were suspended. In Taipei, rain and wind have brought down dozens of street signs and trees, while subway services were reduced and food delivery services were suspended. Hundreds of soldiers were on standby in nearby cities for disaster response. The storm had cut power to more than 16,000 households across Taiwan, although the majority of them had been restored. In Japan's popular tourist destination Okinawa, Typhoon Cannon left two people dead, injured at least 62, and knocked out power to more than 200,000 households over the past two days. Typhoon Cannon comes just a week after Typhoon Duksuri brought heavy rains and strong winds to the Taiwan south. A Moscow court fined Apple 400,000 rubles, equivalent to about $4,274, on Thursday for not deleting inaccurate content about what Russia calls a special military operation in Ukraine on apps and podcasts, Russian news agencies reported. The TASS news agency said it was the first time Apple had been fined for that offense. Interfax said Apple had not deleted applications and podcasts with incorrect information about the conflict in Ukraine. Interfax cited the court as saying that the offending content included information aimed at involving minors in illegal activities in order to destabilize the political situation in the Russian Federation. Apple did not respond to an emailed request for comment. The company paused all product sales in Russia shortly after Moscow sent tens of thousands of troops into Ukraine in February 2022 and limited its Apple Pay service in Russia. Interfax said Apple's lawyers in court asked for the session to be held behind closed doors in order to prevent the disclosure of trade secrets, following which the media were told to leave. Moscow has clashed with big tech for years over content, censorship, data, and local representation in disputes that escalated after Russia sent its armed forces into Ukraine. Russia's federal anti-monopoly service, known as FAS, said in February that Apple paid a 906 million ruble fine, equivalent to almost 9.5 million US dollars, in a Russian antitrust case alleging abuse of its dominance in the mobile apps market. Apple, which did not comment then, had previously appealed and respectfully disagreed with an FAS ruling that Apple's distribution of apps through its iOS operating system gave its own products a competitive advantage. The same court later said it had fined the Wikimedia Foundation, which owns Wikipedia, 3 million rubles for the same offense. That's just under 32,000 US dollars. Wikimedia has been fined several times and has previously said information that Russian authorities complained about was well sourced and in line with Wikipedia standards. I'm Gavin. Trutzenbach, and that was your international news report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From CBS 3, as condolences continue to pour in following the sudden death of New Jersey's Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver, Governor Phil Murphy cut his vacation to Italy short and returned to the Garden State Thursday afternoon. Lieutenant Governor Oliver, who holds the distinction of being New Jersey's first black lieutenant governor, was serving as acting governor until she was hospitalized Monday. Her death was announced Tuesday. Professor Ben Dworkin, the director of Rowan University's Institute for Public Policy and Citizenship, said the governor has 45 days to appoint a new lieutenant governor to fill out Oliver's term. Crystal Charlie, the second vice president of the NAACP New Jersey State Conference, said she's hopeful Governor Murphy will pick a black woman to succeed Oliver. Lieutenant Governor Oliver also served as commissioner of the New Jersey Department of Community Affairs, which oversees all 564 municipalities in the state, a position Governor Murphy will also have to fill. 
Mexico. Funeral arrangements for Lieutenant Governor Oliver haven't yet been announced. Senate President Nick Nick Scutari will continue to serve as acting governor until Governor Murphy returns to New Jersey. From Fox 29, a devastating house fire in Ocean County, New Jersey, left multiple people dead on Tuesday afternoon. According to Ocean County prosecutor Bradley D. Billhammer, crews responded to a reported structure fire with entrapment on Buttonwood Drive in Lacey Township around 12.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Authorities say the structure was fully engulfed in flames by the time emergency crews arrived on scene. A 67-year-old woman was rescued from the back of the home and transported to Community Medical Center for treatment, officials say. Four additional people were believed to be trapped inside the home, but crews were unable to get to them because the roof of the home collapsed and firefighters were forced to evacuate evacuate, according to fire officials. Authorities say the four people trapped inside did not survive. Officials later identified the four people killed as 39-year-old Jennifer Wright, 34-year-old Alana Wright, a 14-year-old girl, and a four-month-old infant. From 6ABC, a member of Drexel University's men's basketball team died on Wednesday, school officials stated. According to the university, Terrence Butler, a rising junior in the College of Engineering and member of the men's basketball team, passed away in his on-campus apartment. There is no word yet on how Butler died. Butler was a native of Upper Marlboro, Maryland, according to the school's official website. He's survived by his parents and two sisters, both of whom also played college basketball. He averaged 17.8 points and seven rebounds per game when he was in high school. The six foot seven forward was also named to the Coastal Athletic Association's Commissioner's Academic Honor Roll last season. Off the court, people on campus say Butler was the kind of student that everyone knew and everybody liked. School officials say various mental health and counseling resources are available to students during this time. From NBC10, a tractor trailer crashed into a field off a South Jersey road Wednesday morning. The truck appeared to have come to rest on its side off US Route 40 at Commissioner's Pike in Upper Pitt Groves, Salem County. After daybreak, Sky Force 10 showed the crashed truck having cut a hole into the crop with a trail of debris behind it. Several emergency vehicles could be seen on the road, including a crane truck. No reports yet of any injuries or how the crash occurred. There didn't appear to be any major backups from News 12, a father lost his life trying to save his three children from the Delaware Rotarian Canal in Franklin Township Wednesday afternoon. Authorities say that three children, ages 13, 11, and 8, went into the water around 2 p.m. and quickly started to struggle. Officials say that the father, 42-year-old South River man, went into the water to help them. Witnesses told police that the man was able to pull his children to the shallow water but was not able to maintain his balance and was swept away. Emergency crews searched the water for the man but were unable to rescue him. First responders checked out the children at the scene and they were not harmed. The man's body was eventually found several hours later by the Somerset County Prosecutor's Office's dive team. The man's name was not released. People who live near the canal say that they often see runners and cyclists and people fishing in the area but never swimming. One woman told News 12 New Jersey that in about a 10-year period, at least three people have drowned in the canal. That prompted the neighboring towns to put up warning signs. From ABC7, an outraged mother in New Jersey is suing a movie theater after a fun night out with her son with autism ended with a police escort out of the building. On June 16th, Christine Gallinaro and her 15-year-old son John were kicked out of Cinemark's Haslot 12 movie theater. Gallinaro's husband wasn't there, so she had to take John, who was nonverbal, to relieve himself. Gallinaro says, by their expressions and smiles, others in the restroom understood John needed his mother's help, except she said the theater manager who spotted them and acted aggressively. In fact, security was called on them and then the police. The Gallinaros have filed a lawsuit. Christine Gallinaros said a Cinemark regional manager reached out, but it was too late because the humiliation was just too much. Eyewitness News reached out to Cinemark, but have not heard back. Gallinaro says her son has let her know he doesn't want to go to Cinemark ever again. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan University hosted the Drum Corps International on Wednesday. DCI is the governing body for Junior Drum and Bugle Corps responsible for developing and enforcing rules of competition and providing standardized adjudication at sanctioned drum and bugle corps competitions throughout the United States and Canada. DCI is based in Indianapolis, Indiana. The placements for this year's competition were first place, the Blue Coats from Canton, and second place, Cadets from Pennsylvania, and finally third place was the Blue Stars from Wisconsin. 
Kate Pearson has been named the head women's basketball coach at Rowan University. It was announced by the director of athletics, John Giannini. Pearson becomes the 10th head coach in Prof's history after 14 successful seasons at Cabrini University, in which she led the Cavaliers to five conference titles and five NCAA tournament appearances. Pearson was honored as the league's coach of the year four times, earning the CSAC Award in 2013, 2015, and 2018, and the Atlantic East Award in 2019. Also was a standout during her playing career at the University of Scranton. Pearson, who established Cabrini as a regional power, is the school's all-time winningest coach with a 240-125 to record, which is a 65.8 winning percentage. From 2008 to 2002 and in 2019, added the title of assistant athletic director. Pearson said Rhone University has a great reputation of high academic excellence along with a tradition of athletic success. The commitment to student development is evident amongst the coaches and staff, which aligns with my values as a coach. I'm excited for this new endeavor and the opportunity to be part of the Rowan community. Coach Pearson has demonstrated the ability to build and sustain a highly successful program with record-setting accomplishments and consistent NCAA tournament appearances. We anticipate great things ahead for Rowan women's basketball, said Giannini. Coach Pearson checks every leadership characteristic we were asking for, including caring, discipline, confidence, consistency, and preparation. She is a perfect addition to our highly accomplished coaching staff. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News team. I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. The MLB trade deadline ended this past Tuesday on August 1st, and we had a whole bunch of trades happen that shook up the league. The two main big trades that happened this past week was the Mets becoming sellers and not wanting to compete for a championship by trading away starting pitcher Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers for top prospect infielder Luis Angel Acuna, who is the brother of Atlanta Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna. The Mets also traded their other ace, Justin Verlander, back to the Houston Astros for out fielding prospects Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. They also gave the Brewers Mark Canna for right-handed pitcher Justin Jarvis. After Max Scherzer was traded, on Tuesday in his first Texas Rangers media conference, he stated this about the Mets' future, and I quote, They're looking to compete now for 2025 and 2026. It was not going to be a reload situation in New York. It was going to be more of a transition in 2024. End quote. Max Scherzer will now have a new ace to compete with, now being side-by-side side with Nathan Eovaldi, who has been putting up Cy Young numbers this year, and other members of his rotation will be newly acquired Cardinal starting pitcher, left-hander Jordan Montgomery, and right fielder Chris Stratton to improve their starting rotation depth. The Texas Rangers are now the new favorites to win the World Series, according to Vegas. Speaking of competing, the player of the month for both American League and the National League have been announced for July. Shohei Otani has won it for the second straight month after recording a 282 batting average, one point 0.152 OPS, 9 home runs, and 14 RBIs for the Angels. And for the National League, Chicago Cubs outfielder Cody Bellinger finally won Player of the Month again after racking up 8 home runs, 24 RBIs, and having a 400 batting average. The last time Bellinger won this award was back in April of 2019. Two more special events happened in the world of baseball this past week. Fernando Tatis Jr. became the fourth fastest player to hit 100 home runs in the MLB. He was able to record 100 home runs in 362 games, and the other three players in front of Tatis 
piece are Gary Sanchez, who's able to do it in 355 games. Above Sanchez is New York Mets first baseman Pete Alonzo, who did in 347 games. And in the number one spot is Philly's first baseman Ryan Howard, who's able to record 100 home runs in 325 games. A fantastic milestone for Fernando Tatis Jr. to accomplish. The other special event was Houston Astros starting pitcher Framber Valdez threw a no-hitter against the Cleveland Guardians Tuesday night, which was the first time a left-handed pitcher threw a no-hitter for the Astros in franchise history. Valdez only threw 91 pitches, and Martin Maldonado now has caught for three no-hitters in his career. Last but not least, the Philadelphia Eagles released their Kelly Green jerseys, and they look so good. They got leaked to the public earlier than the Eagles wanted them to, but when they did get leaked, they proved how awesome they look. They went on sale on Monday, and fans were waiting outside store doors since 3.30 a.m. to get the jerseys for themselves. The two games the Eagles will wear their old throwback jerseys will be against the Dolphins in Week 7 and against the Bills in Week 12. Both of these games will be played at the Lincoln Financial Field at home. Again, I'm WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller for the Rome Report with your news from the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. The markets are closing with stocks lower as Wall Street evaluated the latest corporate earnings results and wrestled with the rise in bond yields. This comes after a sell-off Wednesday, in part due to Finch downgrading America's debt rating. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 66 points to 35 to 215, the S&P 500 sank 11 points to 45 to 1, and the Nasdaq went down 13 points to 13 to 959. Bud Light's parent company says it has stabilized in the market since its partnership with a transgender influencer caused sales to plummet. Anheuser-Busch says its market share has leveled out since the boycott over its Dylan Mulvaney campaign. The company said revenue dropped by over 10% in the second quarter and announced last week it would lay off about 2% of its U.S. workforce. But in the second quarter report published Thursday, Anheuser-Busch said total revenue worldwide increased. Gas prices in the U.S. keep going back up. In South Florida, NBC News' Sam Brock says it's not the summer traveling season that's affecting prices. The reason that we've seen gas prices increase more than a quarter over just the last month largely is because of record-breaking temperatures and what they mean for oil refineries. AAA reports the national average price for regular is $3.82 a gallon. It's 11 cents higher than last Thursday and about 30 cents higher than it was a month ago. California drivers are paying the most at over 5 bucks a gallon. Half of Americans say the U.S. economy is still getting worse. According to a CNN poll, 51% of Americans said the economy is continuing its downturn despite some positive indicators. U.S. GDP grew more than expected in the second quarter of 2023, and inflation has continued to subside. Another 28% said economy recovery hasn't begun yet, but conditions aren't getting worse. Only one in five said the economy is recovering from its recent issues. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Lizzo says there's nothing to the accusations that she sexually harassed her backup dancers and created a hostile work environment. The singer put out a statement Thursday calling the allegations revealed in a recent lawsuit unbelievable and too outrageous to not be addressed. The suit alleges Lizzo pressured the dancers to touch naked performers during a night out in Amsterdam. It also claims she called attention to one of the dancers' weight gain. Lizzo insists she has high standards and has to make hard decisions, but never intentionally makes people not feel valued as part of the team. She also said she knows what it's like to be body shamed and would never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. Greta Gerwig's Barbie is expected to be available for streaming on Max this fall. 
Warner Bros. Discovery CEO said the hit film will go to streaming sometime in the fall months, but only after the theatrical window fully plays out. The movie has made over $800 million worldwide since its premiere and is expected to eclipse the $1 billion by Monday. Barbie is currently projected to earn $1.3 billion during its theatrical run, right behind the Super Mario Bros. movie for highest grossing film of the year. As striking actors and writers continue to demand better compensation and protections against artificial intelligence, the studios seem to be embracing AI. SAG-AFR president says she feels they have the upper hand. According to a job posting on Indeed.com, Netflix is looking for a project manager for its machine learning program. The salary range is $300,000 to $900,000 per year. A typical acting job pays a fraction of that for a temporary gig. But Netflix isn't the only studio going on an AI hiring spree. Disney, Sony, CBS, and Amazon Prime are also looking to fill AI positions. Developing systems that can produce content without humans is one of the biggest concerns for actors and writers. Some A-list celebrities are putting their money into supporting the ongoing Hollywood actor strike, now nearly three weeks old. While many actors have taken to the picket lines, Variety reported Wednesday that George Clooney and Meryl Streep have helped to lead a donation drive that's brought more than $15 million to financially support the strikers. They each donated a million dollars to the SAG-AFRA Foundation, which provides assistance to those facing the uncertainty of not getting a paycheck. They've gone on to call other top stars to contribute, bringing in cash from people like Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Dwayne Johnson, and Oprah Winfrey. The actors have been striking for better pay, particularly from streaming services, and safeguards over the use of artificial intelligence. It's not the end of an era for Taylor Swift after all. The pop star announced more tour dates in the U.S. and Canada for fall 2024. She added three shows each in Miami, New Orleans, and Indianapolis, along with six shows in Toronto. Gracie Abrams will serve as her opener. That's great news for fans who weren't able to snag tickets after the Ticketmaster fiasco during her initial pre-sale last year. Until then, Swift is finishing up her last few shows in California before she heads to Latin America for the rest of the year. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.